I thought I'd get a standing ovation, but since I didn't. All right, at ease, smoke them if you got them. This morning, before I teach, I've got some amazingly important information for you. If you play the stock market, I'm going to give you some insider information about some new companies that are being formed. First, Farewell Electronics and Honeywell Computers will soon merge. Honeywell. <laughs> Honey child. <laughs> FedEx and UPS are going to join ranks and become fed up. <laughs> Polygram Records, Warner Brothers, and Zesta Crackers will become for forces to become Poly Warner Cracker. <laughs> and finally, Hale Business Systems, Mary Kay Cosmetics, Fuller Brush, and W.R. Grace will soon become Hail Mary Fuller Grace. <laughs> and that leads right into my song. Here we are. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. When we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. tell people I only wear a tie when I'm nervous. If you have a Bible with you, and I hope you do, please turn it to Genesis 6-5. Genesis 6-5. And it reads, And the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Verse 8, but, 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 Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for building this family for us, this group of wonderful people who come here every week to get to know you better and to get to know each other better. Lord, we just pray that you will speak to us this morning in ways that we can hear and understand and speak to our hearts, Lord, and we'll do anything that you ask. And we just want to honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Fear is back. I felt the Lord saying to me, PK, I think it's time for you to stop having a ministry and to start being a ministry. And when I asked him what message he especially wanted me to share, he said, just tell them how much I love them. Just tell them how much I love them. Just tell them how much I love them. And he gave me this one verse of scripture to ponder. Genesis 6, 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This morning, I want us to look at three New Testament stories that demonstrate God's amazing love and God's amazing grace in unmistakable ways. Story one. It's hard to imagine her shame and embarrassment caught in the act, the very act of adultery, yanked out onto the street by an angry mob of religious zealots, dragged through the streets, people gossing, gawking and cursing at her, pulled into the town square, and then cast like a hapless rag doll in front of the young rabbi who was teaching a large gathering. Teacher, they shouted, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And the woman, the woman waited, her heart pounding in her chest, her shame flooding her cheeks to crimson for the young man to answer, but he didn't. He just bent down to the ground and wrote something with his finger. So the angry men pressed in even closer and harder. What do you say, Rabbi? What do you say? What's your answer? Tell us. Finally, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down and wrote again. The woman held her breath. Her eyes were scanning the hard faces of these men, holding their rocks. And then something amazing happened. One by one, the accusers started dropping their rocks and wandering away, beginning with the oldest on down to the youngest, until only the young rabbi was left kneeling before her. Then he stood up, looked around, and quietly asked, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? The frightened woman managed to stammer, No one, sir. And, 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 what happened to this adulteress, to this scandalous sinner, to this blight on Judaism, to this social outcast? Well, this woman found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He said to her, neither do I condemn you, just go and sin no more. And we can only imagine her relief, her gratitude, her joy, her thanksgiving, filling her heart, and God said, PK, just tell them how much I love them. It was cold, cold in the courtyard of the high priest. Peter warmed himself by the fire, but the chill he felt went much deeper than the cold night air. It was all coming true. Everything Jesus had said, everything he'd preached, all coming true. Arrested in the garden, dragged away by an angry mob, betrayed by Judas of all people, and treated like a common criminal by the Roman soldiers. Peter had followed along, keeping at quite a distance, but now he was seated in the courtyard where he was silently struggling to fit in with the rest of the people who'd also gathered there. Suddenly, a young servant girl peered at him in the firelight. This man was with him, she loudly accused. 
and fear cut through Peter like an icy knife. Woman, he said, I don't know him. And he pulled his cloak around him more tightly to ward off the growing cold. But suddenly someone else shouted, you also are one of them. And Peter shouted back, man, I am not. And he shifted nervously on his stone seat, suddenly deriving no warmth at all from the small fire. The next hour dragged by as Peter waited for some sign of Jesus. But then someone else looked at him strangely and loudly proclaimed in a menacing voice, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter, suddenly terrified for his own life, shouted back, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And then, and then Peter heard it, off in the distance, a rooster crowing. And at that same exact moment, temple guards roughly escorted Jesus across the stone steps of the courtyard, and suddenly Jesus looked directly at Peter. And, and, and what happened to this braggart, to this blowhard, to this one who denied Jesus three times, to this complete failure? Well, Peter found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Peter found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible tells us that Jesus beheld Peter. Beheld. It's the same word that they use in in the Bible when Jesus first meets Nathanael. It's a Greek word meaning a look of love and concern. Love and concern. But Peter, suddenly filled with shame and remorse at his own behavior, went out into the dark, cold night and wept bitterly. And God said, P.K., just tell them how much I love them. Third, the pain was unbearable. The thief on the cross felt the thick iron nails cutting into his hands and feet and the rough splintered wood tearing against his back, his dry tongue scraping against the roof of his mouth like sandpaper. And for what? For nothing, simply for being a common thief. And who was this man in the middle? This rabbi, this carpenter, this one some called the Christ, this one whose crime was posted above his head. This is the king of the Jews. What kind of crime is that? Why do these people hate him so much? They spit on him, they taunted him, they jeered at him. Even the other other thief crucified on Jesus' left side had screamed, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. This thief settled back, trying to find some relief from the searing pain. Yes, even he taunted this one called Jesus in the beginning, in the first hour, when the pain was too excruciating to bear. But that was just the anger, that was just the hatred, that was just the venom of a lifetime welling up in him like bile in his throat. How could I have ended up like this, he'd wondered. How could I have ended up tortured, naked, bleeding, beaten, slowly dying in the blistering sun, nailed to a rough wooden cross? The rage had been too much. He'd screamed at this one called the King of the Jews, but now, but now, he regretted it. He'd watched in disbelief as this man had cried out, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Forgive them? Forgive them? Impossible, these guards had beaten this man to death, he wants to forgive them? And then, and then, something inside him had changed. His angry heart, his tortured heart, his broken heart, now felt oddly drawn to this man. And he turned to his left and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, and, what happened to this petty thief, this scourge of society, this common criminal, this completely disposable human being? Well, the thief found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Jesus turned and answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise.
And God said, PK, just tell them how much I love them. And so it goes. I remember early in my ministry thinking, Lord, I don't understand how you can love me so much when I'm such an idiot. But he did, and he still does. And, not, and I'm not alone in all this, all this. He loves all of us, even though we don't deserve it. We don't deserve that kind of love. And you might be thinking, PK, why are you going on about this? Because I feel it's too easy to start criticizing ourselves for a lack of godliness. It's too easy to start focusing on what we are doing wrong. It's too easy to start feeling defeated because we are not measuring up to Christ's standards. I remember when I was pastoring my fellowship up in the Green Springs, I pretty much beat the sheep for five years. <laughs> I mean, I walked up to the pulpit, told them everything they were doing wrong and left. And they went home feeling wonderfully whipped. But this was not God's heart. This is not God's, God's heart. This is our misunderstanding and misapplication of the good news. Misunderstanding, misapplication. How much does God love us? He loves us so much. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. His only son, only begotten son he gave him for us. And it's unfortunate that people usually stop at John 3.16 because there's something important in John 3:17 where it says, "For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved." And yet, somehow, most of us almost effortlessly at some point fall into the self-condemnation business. Uh, which is why I'm convinced God said, "PK, just tell them how much I love them." Maybe during the sermon this morning so far, you've found yourself in, this, in one of these pictures. Maybe like the woman caught in adultery, you're dealing with some behavior, some recent sin, some shame and regret that's got you feeling unworthy of God's love. Or maybe like Peter in the courtyard, you feel you've failed God, you've let him down, you've, you've turned on him in some manner, and your heart is weeping at your weak resolve, at your lack of self-control, and you feel unworthy of God's love. Or maybe, like the thief on the cross, you feel you're too soiled, too tainted, too far gone. You've done too many terrible things for God ever to love you. Or maybe, like most of us, you feel as if you're not very good at this Christianity stuff. You're kind of lax on your morning devotions. You don't particularly enjoy reading the Bible all that much. You've got some persistent sin you can't seem to get rid of, and you're spiritually dry as a bone. In fact, you feel like the chiefest of sinners, and God cannot possibly still love you. Well, to each of you, to all of us, I would say this, and God would say this. Look up. Look at my son on the cross at Calvary. Look at his wounds. Look at his scars. Look at his blood. But mostly, but mostly, look at his eyes. What do you see? I, for one, See grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace. Galatians 6, 7 is clear. It says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's the law of the harvest. Our behavior always has worldly consequences. If we plant a tater, we get a tater. If we plant a sin, we pay a price. But this has nothing to do with how much God loves us has nothing to do with it. His love is not conditional. 
His love is not dependent on our behavior. behavior. If it were, he would not have loved the woman caught in adultery. He would not have loved Peter in the courtyard. He would not have loved the thief on the cross. And he certainly, certainly would never have loved Norma McCorvey. Who? Norma McCorvey. In her book, One by Love, Norma McCorvey confesses to being the original Jane Roe of Roe versus Wade. As such, she was inadvertently responsible for the deaths of endless numbers of unborn children. One evening, looking for a way out of her terrible shame and guilt, she went to the Hillcrest Church in Dallas, Texas, and she wrote this. As the pastor spoke, his words burned their way into my soul. This was truth. This is the way out I've been looking for all my life. I wanted someone to love me. I wanted someone to take care of me. I wanted someone who could wipe out all the ghastly things that I had done and that had been done to me. In an instant, I realized that Jesus Christ was the only one who could do that. The pastor said, if you're tired of living a sinner's life, then I want you to come up to the altar and meet Jesus. Meet Jesus, I thought. Did that man say he could meet meet Jesus? Don't be silly, I heard a voice say. Jesus isn't up there. Oh, yes, he is. I heard the pastor say so. She writes, when I finally made it to the altar, I lifted my head, took one look in the pastor's eyes, and, and, what happened to this hater of Christians, this foul-mouthed, bitter woman, this co-conspirator in the murder of millions of unborn babies, this hated and despised atheist villainous, this poster child for abortion rights activists everywhere, well, Norman, McCree, Norman McCorvey found grace in the eyes of the Lord. She adds, I saw Jesus. I saw the Spirit of God. It was true. Jesus was meeting me through this man. And she has gone on to do wonderful things in his name because of his undying and unconditional love for her. And that's grace. And that's how much God loves you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your love is not dependent on our behavior. Oh, yes, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, but you never turn against us. You, you always want the best for us. You always want to know how much you, you love us. You want us to be close to you, near to you, bonded to you, walking with you, spending time with you, not in a formal way, in a wonderful, relaxed way, just as a complete part of our daily lives. So, Lord, I just ask that we will let your love take over today and sink in on us and for us. And we give you all of our love in Jesus' name. Amen. And I got a little quick song I want to do for you here. For some reason, this song has always reminded me the most of the Lord's love for us. Because it shows how much he was willing to suffer for us. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders 
this world has ever known above all wealth and treasures of the earth there's no way to measure what you're worth crucified laid behind a stone you live to die rejected and alone like a road trampled on the ground you took the fall and thought of me me a little longer. <laughs> We're going to take communion. <laughs> Standing ovation next time, okay? <laughs> Let me say a little prayer about our communion. Um, 